This Cup of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trek.fm. Plus, if you would like to support our programming personally, please visit trek.fm slash donate to get our alien badges and art prints featuring original illustration by Toba Ushi. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D Bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. L. Gray, hot. Time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week. Behind me in the turbo lift is crew chief Daniel Prue. D- Daniel, that that panel's off. Uh, is the turbo lift broken? Are are we stuck up here? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Enterprise D, we 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 don't believe in stairs. So if the elevator breaks down, you know, we're just kind of stuck here until someone can come and fix it. So. Or or climb through mile after mile of Jeffrey's tube, which I mean, it's good for the workout. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I guess that I guess that is true. But um, you know, who wants to climb ladders all day? I sure don't. I mean, especially with its artificial gravity, I feel like I'm just being cheated. It's like there really is no gravity here, but we're gonna install it to make it harder. I don't know. But if you find the sweet spot on the Enterprise D, you can hang upside down. So it's okay. There's also that resonating spot where you can play, you know, music and freak out Jordy LaForge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, down in stellar tar- cartography is Lieutenant Commander Philip Gilfis. Boy, I sure wish I could see what he was studying. I guess I'll have to walk down there to see it in person because he can't possibly show me uh, without me being in the room. So how how are you doing, Philip? I'm 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 not doing well. I I really can't deal with all these emotions about charting the stars down here. And I I I I want to be relieved of this mission. I don't want to be in stellar cartography anymore. I'm just going to go into my quarters and have a good cry. If that's fine with everyone. Are are you are you having a problem? Or is are you able to perform your duty? No, sir. I no longer want this podcast. Deactivating me is the only possible solution. So deactivating you, so basically you want me to shoot you in the head, because that's the only way I could think of to deactivate you. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll use stun. I'm sure it'll just be really painful, <laughs> but non-lethal. Well, in the words of Commander Scott, sorry, sir, we can't even do that in the 23rd century. Tonight we will have compiled lists of technology that somehow didn't quite make it into the 23rd or 24th century. So we'll be going round robin style, listing off inventions that just didn't quite make it. So to start this off, I am going to address seatbelts. Um, I do know that, you know, they, that they put them in the Star Trek into darkness, which Everyone was kind of going like, finally, you know, something to hold people in their chairs. But yeah, I mean, especially on the Enterprise D, the ship that crashed on a planet, you know, I think seatbelts would have been something, even if it's something that just kind of like 
you know, molded into the seat or, you know, just, or even like a small force field that just held you down. I mean, they can do that on a bio bed with an invisible force field that kind of like conforms to you. Why couldn't they do that in an emergency, you know, on, in the captain's chair? I mean, except for Worf, he's just in trouble. He's just going to fly over that horseshoe no matter what. Well, you know, the, the curious thing is they had not seat belts, but they actually had restraints in the original series movies. And I can't remember them off the top of my head, but it was kind of like the, the thing would come around oh, your legs. Yeah. Like the I armrest. remember those. Yeah. So you just rip off your legs if you crashed. Right. You know? But I mean, those sort of disappeared. And so then we had next generation. But yeah, I mean, like the, the, the logic is like that saucer, you know, hopefully you do the saucer separation correctly. You have a competent con officer who, you know, goes to the left, um, half impulse, um, away from the large celestial body. But there's a chance the saucer could crash. I mean, it's made to do that. But apparently the saucer's made to do that, but anything inside is not meant to do that. So you would think the designers would be like, if this saucer crashes, you know, apparently this ops console is going to rip off in two seconds and everyone's going to fly out of their chairs. So, you know, some sort of restraint would have made sense. Or maybe have a crash room, you know, that's all padded and everybody crowds in there. You know, I mean, that would make sense. But And, and on the Excelsior, they had those really... I mean, we've, we've talked before about how that captain seemed to be the most precocious man alive. And I just feel like oh that precociousness my. went into the chairs. I mean, everyone, like the camera's panning around and everyone's like, you know, sit. And then they tuck the, the little, it looks like little jaws, you know, to grab their torso. It's like, sit, jaw, sit, jaw, sit, jaw. And I'm just like, really? You're going to war. Like, I don't care what you call it. Like, we don't. Like you're really trans warp. Okay, trans warp. Well, that just made it even funnier when it didn't go because <laughs> they needed things to make them go. But yeah, they had, they had a pack led engineer. <laughs> what do you think, Daniel? I mean, are we are we not going to address the elephant in the room, like the deleted scene from from Nemesis when there actually was <sighs> a pretty a pretty cool seatbelt that it's deleted scene you mean yeah that's what i said a deleted scene from nemesis i mean therefore it doesn't exist much like nemesis oh come on yeah yeah you would say that even if it was nemesis proper but um (laughs) yeah you're right i mean i don't you're right why why like so remind me what where where in the movie would that scene have been right at the end seatbelts it was um it was at the end where he crashes the ship into the other ship because that's when you would need. That's it. when you would need it right? <laughs> of any time. Of any time, yeah. When you choose to crash your ship into the other ship, when the uh, view screen blows out and like two people are sucked out into space, yeah, that might be a good time to have some sort of restraining device to hold you inside the ship. Um, unfortunately, we don't we don't get that, but uh... yeah, that's what the Mothers Against Drunk Driving ad has. It's when the it's, instead of a picture, you know, of a deer or something, it's the the wind, the uh, the view screen's been blown out. It's like, boy, uh, Officer Jenny sure wishes she had worn her seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's just this, fro- this frozen corpse in the space. It's just, it, yeah, it, it's uh, kind of absurd, isn't it? Like that, uh, you know, uh, that we knew better in the 1980s and 1990s uh, to put seatbelts on everything. I mean, we, like, like we have seatbelts on airplanes, and I don't know if anybody else gives this a lot of thought like I do, but like, it's really going to make that much of a difference. <laughs> <if> your plane <laughs> crashes. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> well, I guess whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm or glad. Look at it there. this way: everyone must wear a seatbelt except children. 
they're magically protected. Well, that, those are your flotation devices, right? I mean, you have a child, Darren. You can. Wait a minute. Whoa, hang on. Wait a minute. Are you saying that children are flotation devices? Well, we haven't invented androids yet, so. <laughs> Android children are flotation devices. I think that's what what Philip was. Meaning. Oh my goodness, that is. Uh, this podcast has gone really dark, like really quickly. We, well, Happy oh, New I, Year! I like, like to think of it as we have also. We already have a great list of possible episode titles. <laughs> <laughs> oh. right, but moving on to our, our next uh, lost technology, uh, Philip, what's the first one off of your list? Um, I have a bunch, and some are other than others, but I guess one just from my personal experience and is kind of the, the technology of the soldier. Like here in the 21st century, you know, a variety of countries have, you know, all their own armies. But, you know, at least here in the United States, I'm somewhat familiar with, with our technology. And, you know, today's modern soldier on the battlefield, you know, has all this technical equipment. You know, he or she has the armor. G- GPS. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not even talking about just the regular, like, you know, rifle and, and, and armor. But I'm just talking about, like, the technology of, like, being able to see on the battlefield due to, um, you know, we have various systems we use. Um but basically, the concept is almost like sensors, honestly. Um, but I mean, you know, you can—it's GPS positioning. You know, you can see where you're going. You got your GPS on you. Um, you know, there, there are some helmets that they're making nowadays where you, you know bring the helmet down. And you can actually have that display, LED display, almost. I mean, a lot of this is cutting edge, but it's 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 there almost. Um, but, but it's you cutting never edge see... in you know 2013. So I mean, it's only gonna go upward and onward from there right and so in the, in the 24th century i mean yeah we have the tricorder but it, it's it's this handheld device versus you know something that you know like a helmet or or some led you know even if you want to use the little um what is it the the gem hadar whatever you call that thing they have you know oh, google, yeah. google yeah. glass you mean yeah yeah right. basically yeah. yeah i mean yeah, google glass you know, like, like just these things that we have for our ground troops that those away teams you know in Star Trek, the away team look has evolved and then de-evolved. You know, you had TOS just going down in their pajamas. But then you had in the TOS movies, you had all these jackets and all this other stuff. And then back to TNG or just back to uniforms. You know, if you're going down an away team, you want to have all this equipment. You want to be able to see what's going on, all this imaging, GPS, you know, everything else. Not just a tricorder that you may drop or you have to figure out and turn on and just having it right there in front of you. I mean, how many seasons did it take for them to start beaming down in a circle formation, like fa- fanning out instead of just like facing one direction? I'm sure it's okay. You know, you know, I don't know. O'Brien gets pretty bored in that, you know, transporter room. So I don't know if he would have, they're putting a lot of trust that he scanned the area and knows that it's safe for transport. Now, what you're making me imagine, Darren, is that Chief O'Brien throughout the four or five years he was on the Enterprise D transporter room, just played with patterns of beaming down people. He's like, all right, regular Ooh, line configuration, circle. star cluster this time. What if I stack them on top of each other? <laughs> well, okay, think about this. Like, And I'm, this is t- totally oversimplistic, but if we're talking about this, like, he could beam like cardboard cutouts of the crew down in the front of like the enemy forces and then beam everyone behind them. So like, hey, this gives you a tactical advantage. Like people are like, what's that noise? I'm going to turn around and shoot at this thing. And then everybody else could be like, hey, freeze. Like, why don't they do stuff like that? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, at least in Stargate, they would send like a probe through before just sending their team, heavily armored as it was, you know, into an unknown planet on the other side of the galaxy. Like, I mean, th- they did it right. And and like you said, Philip, in TOS, you know, when they would go on missions where they needed a weapon, they had to strap a belt to themselves. Like, they, there was nowhere to even put it. It's like, well, I got to wear my suspenders today because I'm, you know, I'm packing. So here we go. <laughs> And uh, you know, Philip brought up like the like soldiers or like the away team or like whatever like beaming into a, a dangerous situation. I'm glad we brought this up because this is kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about. And and uh, for some reason, like I don't really think of uh, TOS two too much, but especially in regards to continuity. But like in a piece of the action, the Enterprise fires a stun beam across an entire city block, and it's like you had this technology. A hundred years ago, and you never used this in TNG. Like, we're beaming you into a dangerous terrorist situation, and Beverly could die at any minute. And like, too bad we couldn't (laughs) stun the entire continent. (laughs) That would be super helpful. We put it right next to our time traveler slingshot device. Exactly. It's like, come on. Like, and then even in Voyager, we see there. There's one scene that we see the bridge is being taken over and somebody puts their handheld phaser on wide beam stun everybody on the bridge mode. And it's like, these technologies would totally exist. I mean, it would break star Trek really. That's why we don't see it, but it's like really frustrating sometimes when you're like, you have this crazy technology. Why don't you use it? Well, and I remember, and I can't remember it like, and for some reason I have a stronger Voyager memory, but I know this happened in TNG too, but it seemed like, and you'll have to remember this probably actually pretty late in the uh, next generation of like the phaser rifle. Like when we first saw the phaser rifle, like right. to me it was like Which a big deal. It looked like a phaser with a tube behind it. Yeah, it was it was like like that was a big deal like oh the phaser rifle. Uh-oh, we brought out the big gun now. <laughs> like I don't even remember the first time we saw one on. It could be this season maybe. I mean like it, it was probably that late. I don't remember. I'm doing a rewatch right now and I haven't seen one yet. I'm in the beginning of the fourth season. So, but but it's just yeah, the the away team I know we're scientific, we're explorers, and that's fine. And because there's, I mean, there's some, not to get like serious, but there's some psychology of like, especially in the modern army of when you're going into a, you know, a local place that when you have all that armor and weaponry, that doesn't exactly help build a dialogue that we're here to in peace. But still, <laughs> you, you have some equipment there for your poor away team other than, you know, the little belt and attach like a little uh, phaser and a tricorder and hope for the best. Well, and like you, I like what you were saying about the bridge. I mean, you'd think, as important as the bridge is, why couldn't you just build something into the walls even that's like, hey, if all the humans are laying on the ground, activate program B, and a phaser just shoots everything that's standing. Like, how hard would that be? I mean, <laughs> if the Cardassians could come up with better, you know, home defense uh, type, you know, replicator <laughs> Super shooters. <laughs> I'm picturing the emergency command hologram. What was it? The the cannon? <laughs> oh, what was the Vortonic <laughs> cannon. Yeah, that was great. Which you, which I, would, if you think about what that really means, it's like fire the cannon that shoots fake. Fire the flashlight. <laughs> it's basically it fire the fake cannon. Yeah. It's oh, this, like if you this could be this would be Daniel's favorite data flashing the enemy oh, yeah. uh, solution. Oh. True. That's true. With his 
Palm Beacon, which has to be hard to aim. I mean, like, you know. We, like we, a sock puppet maneuver. we could talk uh, for a while about flashlight technology, which clearly hasn't developed at all in 200 years. Like, you would think <laughs> that, like, you could somehow, like, you have the ability to manipulate light and energy to make entire fictional cr- beings... And yet your flashlight looks exactly the same as it does in the 1990s. No. Like, why can't in you... the future, flashlights don't have a handle. It's a palm beacon. <laughs> Unless you're on Voyager, and then it's more of a wrist strap. Oh, oh yeah. See, that, that two was... tiny, tiny lights that illuminate one centimeter in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> but, Daniel, so what's your uh, the start of your list, unless you want to take flashlights? No, yeah. no. I mean, like, there's a there's a lot of like crisscrossing here, and and you know, because we're talking a lot of, a lot of technologies. But one thing that yeah, really we like bothers jump, me jump. is um, the this concept of like, and you can't. I mean, you can't call it GPS because we're on a spaceship and there are there are no external satellites or whatever. Right. But like this uh, this idea that like you have to have your comm badge on for the ship to know where you are like really upsets me like i was literally just watching an episode and this this happens in tng all the time but i'm just going to mention a deep space nine episode because i just watched one where like they took off their comm badges and like they were trying to track them and they didn't realize it for like 10 minutes like okay like why are they all standing around (laughs) that's exactly that's almost almost exactly what a line of dialogue is from the episode but like from orbit, you can tell that there are twelve Vulcans and two humans, but you can't tell what's going on on the on your own ship. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like you shouldn't need a comm badge to tell where anybody on your ship is. Like the computer should be smart enough to say, "Hey, right now there's a thousand and twelve people on this ship. Hang on a second. All of a sudden, there's only a thousand eleven people on the ship. Something crazy happened. I should probably let someone know that. Like how many? T- well, yeah, the, the computer does know that because it it'll. I mean. When they ask the computer, they say, where's Captain Picard? It's like, Captain Picard is He's not no on longer the on the ship. It's like, and hey, you know, maybe we should have set up an email rule <laughs> yeah, exactly. that flags that and kind of we, lets Riker know see, the problem he's was, no longer on the ship. The problem is when they set up the main computer, the L- L-Cars, they, when it said, do you want to receive push notifications? <laughs> they said no <laughs> instead of yes. Uh, that's so. the thing. That, 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 and it's totally connected because it's like I was ex- I was thinking that exact same thing. Like I get a push notification on my phone if I get an email from Best Buy, and I'm thinking specifically of the episode, and I'm going to forget the name where Captain Picard is kidnapped. Allegiance. Allegiance. Thank you. Command. It's, it's a lot of them. Allegiance. Yeah, it's a lot of them. And <laughs> and there's a moment when they look at each other and like, "Where's Captain Picard?" And computer, "Where's Captain?" Or, no, 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 not even. No, it's not Allegiance. It's the one where um. Q takes like him off the sh- Q takes him off the ship in a shuttlecraft, hiding Q, hiding oh, Q, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, "Where's Captain Picard?" And Captain Picard is no longer on the ship. And it's like, um, computer, maybe, uh, you know, it would have been nice to know yeah. that. Like, their captain has Even, no longer- maybe a little FYI, <laughs> a little pop up notification on the main main <laughs> giant bridge view screen that's like eighty feet long. You know, like I would think like, it would be an instant red alert if that actually. Or even, even if it's manual, you know, have some. Blue shirt, you know, as much as good as they are. The some blue shirt ensign whose job it is to keep track of all the life signs, <laughs> and if one of the bloopy lights goes off, you know, let someone know. Or, or the shuttlecraft. It's like 
put them on like a pressure sensor or something. Like if it disappears, you know, we should know that that shuttle is gone. Now we all know that you leave every shuttle bay unattended at all times. You can have an unauthorized launch at any given moment. (laughs) Well, yeah. And and they say, sir, an unauthorized launch is in progress. Shut it down. I can't. He's already out. It's like, why did you even tell me about it? Someone's also beaming off on the transporter and I can't stop it. By the time you tell me, it's already too late. It's always too late. The Enterprise don't even bother me, Worf. I don't even care because I can't even do anything about it. The, the Enterprise runs on dial-up. It's absurd. Like it's like, sir, someone is teleporting off the ship, and it's like, try to stop him. I'm. It's it's too late. He's already in Switch space. Switch manual. It's like, well, think about it. It takes it, it takes five seconds for a transport to take place, and so let's say as soon as they initiate it, it sends a little beep. To, to war for whatever and he's like captain you know they're they're trying to do and, and i like how he doesn't even try stopping it until he asks for permission it's, like, uh, it's a very it's tightly like, run Worf, ship. it's like you've you you burned up like three seconds just asking me i'm sorry sir and you just burned up another one apologizing <laughs> stop the transport they've entered war it's like we can always like retransport them later if you just just stop them for now just to be safe and then we can figure out the situation and decide what the best cause you know the best action is or i think all transports should go into the pattern buffer and then there's like a a release function like like to complete the second phase or something like that you know unless you have an activation code like any and that would actually be a good trap anyone can you know transport but they're actually just stuck in the pattern buffer until like a command level person releases it to go the rest of the way and and, and, and I, you know this kind of goes back to exactly what i was just saying like we have episodes where there are people that break out of the brig go to the transporter room and teleport off the ship if the ship is smart enough, it should say, hey, I can track these people all the way from the brig. Maybe I should say no until I get, like, a command-level authorization to transport them off the ship. Like, it's like, the ship should be smart enough to do these kinds of things. This isn't, like, rocket science. Yeah, they don't have rockets in the 21st century. <laughs> That's a technology that doesn't make it. I think it. the Ferengi have rockets, if I remember. Oh, well, my next one kind of is in the same vein. It's it's security cameras and kind of the general bigger picture of security. And not to put this all on Worf and Yar, because, you know, let's just, we all know that they both weren't really that great at security. But, I mean, I know Deep Space Nine has security cameras, and you because you, you see them in the back of Odo's, you know, office. But that's Cardassian technology. But And they have problems. And Odo's a fascist, so... <laughs> But but not even security cameras, just like just the fact that, and I know they do show views, like the, like they'll show that view if a shuttle's leaving and they couldn't stop it of it leaving, you know, from the the back of the saucer or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I, I get that. But with how many cameras and the type of camera technology we have, like every freaking display on this ship should be a camera. Like every corridor junction should have a some sort of sensor camera that's facing down every quarter. Like when someone's walking from point A to point B. And again, I I know, I mean, many, many of the things we're talking about today is it's a writing thing. It's like, well, obviously they wouldn't want to show that because it would be too powerful and there'd be no way to actually have someone escape. But, but for the point of argument, you know, if someone, like you said, is trying to get from the bridge to 
you know, the transporter room, they shouldn't be this little dot on the master system display. You should be seeing like, hey, pull up cameras for deck five and you see everything and you see every person. And it's just it's one of those things where it's like a Vegas casino has more cameras than the Enterprise D. I mean, that's that's right, listeners. In Darren's 24th century, Big Brother is always watching you. <laughs> what do you mean? In in reality, in the 21st century, Big Brother is always watching you. So, I mean, it's not that far-fetched. You just want CCTV on the Enterprise. Is is Well, I, I would just say they could just beam... Think about it. Then the Enterprise could just beam all that footage to another you know ship, and they could. Ju- that's their reality television. And are they, they listening in on my calls too, Darren? Huh? Is the that real world, The on? real world Enterprise edition? Like, is that what's going on? Re- like? Real world Enterprise, yes. It, and I have to ask the, the question, because um, I can't remember an instance, maybe like maybe like a joke, like a data joke earlier on. Is that, You just mentioning it, is that the first time we've mentioned... Tasha Yar on this on this podcast. Wait, hold on. I have to pour this uh, liquor on the floor real quick. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not. I I know when we talked about Tasha Yar last, we talked about her. Oh, I know on what. the Romulan episode. Yes. Oh, she doesn't. That because... doesn't count. That doesn't. Count. That's what I mean. Like, no, no. Have we ever Daniel thinks it not only does it not count, stain. it also doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, have we ever actually talked about a... her as a character? Ever like not not yet. We haven't gotten to that character <laughs> profile, for Lieutenant the, Yar. It's know. interesting. I, well, just, I think we were going to do it, but then we killed it off the idea quickly. Yeah, is she technically in less episodes than Pulaski? Uh, oh goodness, possibly. Trivia question. I guess I've never. Yeah, that's tough to say. Listeners, first on a tweet. She died in what episode twenty two two something like that twenty maybe. It was like it was like three three fourths through the season. It was it wasn't towards. I mean, it was towards the end, but not. There's still a couple, like, five or so episodes after. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, just security cameras, just security in general. It, it's like, really, this... I'm not saying... Y- yes, I get the whole trust level, like we've talked before. Like, people are... But it's like, yes, but you also beam people you don't trust onto the ship <laughs> on a regular basis. Because we, you know. we see cameras... And hell, I'm blanking on it, the episode. The one where they have the... Um, they beam up, like, the light thing, whether it's a life form... And they have the camera oh, on the home medical soil. lab. Home soil. Home soil. Home soil. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That was, and, that was and, one of the few like, times. Up, yeah. But even on Voyager, when they're like, turn to channel, like your EMH emergency <laughs> channel, like, oh gosh, I have to get the book out. I got to look up what number that <laughs> is. I punch it in. It's like, it, it, they, it, it feels like a hassle, doesn't it? They're like, gosh, I don't want to see the EMH. I just want to talk to him on the comm. <laughs> this is so stupid. Why can't he just come to the, come to the room and be in person? Oh, that's right. He can't. He, Did stuck. you send him the G chat invite? Oh, come on. <laughs> they're in the discussion and you just hear like the, you know, the, was it like the Google Hangout, you know, login <laughs> sound like do 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 do? It's a Skype chat, you know. <laughs> okay, well, back back around. Uh, what's your next one, Philip? Um, I, I hate to be so one-minded, but I'm going to stick a- again with weapons. So non-lethal weapons. I, I mean, we have the phaser, which. Yeah, you know. So not a Varian T disruptor, because boy, that thing I don't think even ever has a, a stun setting. <laughs> I mean, like we have. I mean, this is off the top of my head. Uh, you know, we have um, the the regular just electric shock, or you have the ones where they're using with like foam now, just to like you know a non lethal weapon instead of like 
stun, shoot, and then shoot one person because you're shooting in a straight line, I guess. I don't know. Wide beam, stun. I don't know. Um, but, but there's a whole lot of non-lethal weapons other than just the the sort of click-shoot I mean, I know a phaser is not a gun or a rifle, but it's the same concept, you know, straight line, yeah. projectile, laser, whatever, phased energy. But, you know, that's kind of a very one-dimensional or two-dimensional way of thinking. I mean, there's a whole bunch of non-lethal weapons out there, you know, I don't know, shoot a net gun. I don't know. There's lots of stuff out there. <laughs> like Batman? Is that what you're saying? I can just picture Worf <laughs> with a net gun. Like, he stops in the corridor after running, holds it up, and just... Hey, it caught Riker in um the one the survivors. So you know these things do work. Oh you no, know, that was that was oh, the Chewbacca the, net. That was the, yeah, that was the shoe, the, <laughs> the, the tripwire yeah. where it lassoed his leg. But yeah, yeah but uh, the, why am I blanking on the name? What do you call the electric thing? Oh, taser. A taser. taser. Yeah. <laughs> I don't S- sounds like phaser. Um. Yeah, <laughs> it's two it on the nose. Sounds almost exactly like the twenty uh, fourth century weapon. Yeah, but like you know, an electrical shock, a, a taser, or 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 like the foam, where there's just Pepper all these spray, gas, anything. Yeah, I mean, there's there's all these other things other than just point and click. How about like a gun that shoots hyposprays? Right, because that's like instant, like instant unconsciousness. No, I assume you mean it shoots out the the chemical. But of course, there's no thumb there. To like, there's like a little mechanical thumb that dispenses it. it just, well, you just have the ammo belt. It's like. It just shoots out the metal things that like <laughs> hit people in the forehead. They're like, oh god. So, so it's so it's stunned by projectile, yeah. not by the actual hot spray. Well, you, and you're talking about non-lethalness, you know, Philip. And I think, you know, okay, stun settings, even hyposprays. Like the closest thing to a hypospray is like. Okay. I'll keep talking as everyone else pulls it together. It's the ammo belt. I can just see it. Okay. And it's full of ice cream okay. spray. Reload, reload. I can just shove it in. I, I used all three of my bullets. Go. I'm totally out. A double barrel shoots two. Oh, boy. That was. But anyway, but, but with the whole non lethalness, like. You know, I think of like anesthesiologists nowadays and like that's a whole profession to like carefully balance keeping someone under. And I get, you know, technology like advancing over a couple hundred years. But I'm like, so you just assume when you just set this arbitrary, you know, okay, a phaser has like, you know, level one through ten or whatever plus stun and stun seems to be like this default oh, yeah, that's that's or heavy stun like you have stun and heavy stun and it's like. I, I'm pretty sure that this won't kill you, you know, like, uh, what if, what if you're, you know, one of those 80 pounds when wet, you know, individuals, <laughs> and it's just, I'm sorry, sir, he was, he was just so weak, I didn't think stun would kill him, it was called stun. I think it's the Barkley setting. The Barclay oh, setting. rude, there you go. rude. Oh. oh. He's talking about the Esri Dax setting, because she's very tiny, oh. very, very small. Nobody would want to stun her. Or, or yeah, or like a child. Like, are you saying that stun that would take down like a normal adult human is not going to like seriously injure a child? I don't know. It's just I'm imagining it as a father. If you really had a phaser handy, that would just stun them just a little bit. 
Like, just for a couple minutes. Time to go to sleep. <laughs> Done. No, no. Our power pack has run dry. It's, it's only been a week. I, I was thinking, like, if you had to practice heavy stun settings on Alexander, it wouldn't be a big deal. I mean, I wouldn't. He is a Klingon. You know, the, he needs at least heavy stun. Yeah, so I wouldn't have a problem with that. All right, Daniel, what's next on your, your list? Next on my, like, is medical technology. Like, like uh, Philip brought up tricorders. <clears throat> and, okay, I understand tricorders. Fine. They make sense. If you're going to go to a planet and explore things and discover things, that makes a lot of sense. But, if like, a, as a general purpose survey tool. But, like, we see all of the time that the people in sickbay use tricorders to scan people for like regular viruses and stuff. And it's like, to me, it's like you have, especially like on Voyager, but not, not to pick on Voyager, but like they have a bed with like a specialized. Right. Well, clam on TNG, they have that, uh, they have that sensor cluster right above the yeah, main bio bed it, in the middle. Exactly. Like, and, and it's like, wait a minute, you have this handheld technology. What, like, is this necessary in sick bay? Like in sick bay, I would think like, would be able to see all that information already displayed on that giant panel on the wall. Like you don't need to scan them because this yeah. the ship itself, you know, that room itself is scanning them at all times. It's like if you're looking up something on your iPhone and you walk into, you know, like a Cray computer lab and you're like, nope, I'm still going to use my iPhone <laughs> using my thumbs, you know. Exactly, exactly. Or, or, or Daniel, are you imagining like a minority report where you're just like pulling up the holographic Well, body? Yeah, I mean, in a, in, a, in a way, I actually was about to bring that up, but I'm like, well, that's going a little too far. But yeah, kind of, because there, you would think in 250 years there would be that technology. Like, as soon as they walk in the room, you're going to get all of this crazy inf- – you're going to get blood pressure immediately. You're going to get a scan yeah. of their – like, if a tricorder can scan for miles on a planet, right, and that's handheld – that unit that sits at the top of sickbay can can definitely instantly find out whatever the heck is going on inside a humanoid body, like without a shadow of a doubt. Like there's no need to ever have a, a tricorder in sickbay. You mean a medical tricorder? Right. Right. With the salt shaker. With the, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's my EMH joke there. Have either of you guys seen uh, Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within? Oh, a long time ago. And it's it was a CGI movie, but it had really good like kind of pseudo holographic technology, and I and they had in their medical technology again like they would do an overlay of like right above the person, you know, would show the insides and what was going on. And again, we're saying like, why didn't they have that? Well, because it's a TV show, and the budget for that would have been like astronomical. But you know, and it was 1989, <laughs> and it was 1989, you know, but. I think, um, and you know, we know holograms make really annoying sounds. I mean, remember when Picard had that little desktop model and, you know, the planet's going around and all you hear is... <laughs> that was that was the it's modem like... connection. <laughs> well, that was the modem <laughs> connection. It's buffering the real-time data. <laughs> uh, okay, well, one, one thing uh, that I wanted to definitely touch on was flight recorders. Uh, I mean, so many times when things get destroyed or damaged, I mean, this this is part in sensors in general, but like especially flight recorders, if something goes down and they're like, boy, if only we could find the captain's log because I'm sure he detailed the exact, you know, happenings of his death as he wrote them in prose, you know, 
while the ship was firing at him. I mean, that's kind of what they're expecting. And it's like, well, why doesn't every starship have a black box or something that is hardened and designed to just survive so that they can, you know, let's not put it near the warp core, you know, let's put it as far as possible from that. And, you know, I, why did that technology go away? I think there's a couple of plots where that could have really helped. You know, this makes me wonder, and it's slightly off topic, but not about, about the logs that we see. Like, is there a class in Starfleet Academy of how to record a log? <laughs> because, like, you think about it. If, if it's For me, it's hard to record, like, for myself. Like, if I were to do, like, a log right now and just talking right now and recording, like, all right, today this is what I did. I'm not going to be able to be like that. There should be a lot more ums is what I'm saying in those captain's logs. You <laughs> so know? you're saying it automatically filters out all the ums and pauses, <laughs> pauses like a you podcast? Know, like, <laughs> like, like, it's like, okay, Starfleet has, t- you know, uh, ordered us to the Gamma system on Stardate. All right, let me look this up. What did the order say? Four, What's two, today? One, it's oh, Thursday. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, like, they really know a lot of this stuff. I mean, and it's very clearly recorded, I have to say. They have a, must have a good diction there in, in the Academy. Well, but you remember, it's not like it's a message where it's super important. It's it's more like a journal. Yeah. It's more like, you know, Admiral Necheyev, like, beamed over today. Boy, does she Beep. just oh, gets on... <laughs> Gets on my yeah. Just, <laughs> I offered her tea and she said no. She's going on the list. All all that's popping into my head, like, and I know we talked about this, I guess, two weeks ago now, but uh, is the is the uh, captain's log in generations? And I, I like it makes sense, right? Like you, sh- you like I don't know. Do captains do that now? Does anybody like? Yeah, do we, it's, it's do real we thing. Know? Yeah. But like, but is it like the same kind of thing? Like, I feel like their captain's log are probably very like it's like paperwork. Like you're filling out, you know, blah 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 blah. Oh, like, like what it ha- what happened today on the ship? Yeah. It's it's yeah. during this cruise. But like, like maybe in the 21st century, we decide to grant these captains artistic license. So well, they have yeah. personal logs they can do. That's true. But even for even for the captain's logs, right? Like like they're just like. Captain's log, you know, star date, whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, uh, you know, uh, Ambassador <laughs> Troy is visiting the ship, and oh, this is terrible. Like, you know, like <laughs> sometimes, like the difference between a personal log and a captain's log seems to be pretty. Uh... Or they're super, or like, yeah, like you said, they're super vague. They're like, Ambassador Troy is, you know, is visiting. I'm unsure if how this will affect, you know, my command decisions for this mission. It's like, what does that actually tell us? <laughs> that doesn't really give us any useful information if we were to find this, you know, in a black box. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of the, this, the stuff we're bringing up, I mean, I just keep imagining that these low-level officers, like there's Lieutenant JG, red shirt, in Starfleet Academy, who's like secondary secretary assistant to Admiral whoever, who has to look at all these logs... I was like, okay, you got all the logs from all the ships in Sector 4. You have to review them all and file them. And, and he or she's having to listen to all, like, Captain's Log started, you know, Commander Data is now engaging his quest of humanity. Like, what does this have to do with anything? Okay, <laughs> fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. And what I, and, and, uh, and this sticks out, there's one instance, and I can't, specifically remember it but it sticks out to me for one episode in tos but i know it happens in tng and probably it definitely happens in all of the star trek where like they'll go to commercial break and and then 
coming back from commercial break will be another log, but the di- the the time dif- difference between the two is like five seconds, which means that they must have recorded the <laughs> the, the log like when a crisis is going on. It's like Captain's Log four seven two five nine. We're about to be destroyed by the Romulans, and it's like wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're like so you're sitting here recording your Captain's Log in the middle of a crisis. It, obviously, it's just a plot device, but like it's like maybe you should use it a little more cleverly. Now, did they ever, in TNG, because I can think of other shows, but in TNG, did they actually ever show anyone recording a log? The only, like, TNG-ish logs I think of like that, where that we see played back, are, like, in um, Parallels, where we keep seeing the one of Worf, where he oh, yeah, recorded yeah. the log in the in the shuttle about him winning or losing or, you know. But, I mean, that's close, because we're, we're seeing him... But it's the playback. I know what you mean. You're like you're saying like the Sitting original down. recording. Oh, like the Geordi episode. The 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 um, what is that? Aquiel. No, God, no. Although, yes, I mean, I guess that's technically right. But yeah, um, well, he the, reviews. Law. It is a Geordi episode, so I'm yeah. Just the one where <laughs> he like two. he goes to the holodeck and it's like, what is this? Oh my, I can't believe I can't remember this. He's like, there's the there's a Arch. shadow here, a shadow here. We don't know what is it from. Oh, identity crisis. Identity crisis. Uh, identity the one crisis. where he. Yeah, that's a pretty awesome one. It's a good episode. Yeah, it's yeah. the other Geordi one. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think you're right. I think he, he does record. And they have a video movie. recording. I mean, for some reason, they were like setting up that video camera or whatever it is. Like, but but that's like a few, like we were talking earlier, like a black box. Like they ha- literally have a video record of an away mission, and it's like, why doesn't this happen more often? This would help so much. Well, don't you know, Daniel, that's how we're seeing the show, because there's a camera floating there the whole time. <laughs> it's like Cambot in Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> that you only see in the intro, but not in the actual show. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. Like, why wouldn't the, you know, the com- the com badges work, like, as cameras to, like, show the point of view of whoever's wearing it? Because, I mean, that would be helpful. I mean, we have soldiers, you know, like... Even like in Aliens, you know, they had the little cameras on there. You know, game over, man. <laughs> you know. No, the only way we can have someone do that is if they were blind from birth and are wearing a special prosthesis over their eyes. And one day we'll put a camera there so we can see what they're seeing. Unfortunately, they see data, things. In data saw the future. <laughs> da- data saw the future. He's like, Captain, it, ca- Commander of the Forge's eyes are better in every way and can record logs personally. <laughs> So why aren't all Federation officers forced to have <laughs> their eyes man. surgically removed? And Edgar Picard goes, uh... <laughs> even, well, you've made well, your point, Data. You may live. I mean, it makes even more sense that everything... Not even... It's, it's literally established in TNG that everything Data sees is recorded. Like, it's just... Oh, it's yeah. We never play back Data's POV. Never. That would be an awesome episode. Never. It's like, it's like it's like it makes you think of RoboCop. He's like, you fool! He's a cyborg. His memory is admissible as evidence. Or think of clues. Like literally, that episode would have been over in five minutes if they were like, "Hey, Data, give us the recording of the last thirty-six hours." And he, oh well, okay, I guess I never thought about that. Like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> so again, oh, in Darren's twenty-fourth century, I, I can see that. Remember, Data never sleeps, and if you remember Unification. You don't want data staring at you while you try to go to sleep. <laughs> it's just there's eight hours of him just filming Picard sleeping <laughs> on the Klingon brain. 
Uh, all right. So next up is Philip. Uh, now this one will probably be a little um, not controversial, but maybe semi so because I, anytime you talk about animals or pets, I know people get a thing about them. So, but here's my thing: electronic pets. Okay, like we have them. They're not Giga like pets. Super advanced. I mean, they're more you know in in in. I would think like Asia probably has probably a little more advanced than what we have right now here in America at least. But but you know. The electronic pets, right? Like, to me, it doesn't make sense to have real pets on a starship. You know, like in the 24th like century. pets, you know. So what you're saying... You know, where, where is Spot's uh, 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 kitty litter? That's what I'm asking. You know, that, that's like, there's some, you know... Well, what you're not aware of, Philip, is that a feline supplement 47 is is genetically engineered so that it doesn't produce any waste. So uh, Spot doesn't have to actually use the... I'm computer. no biologist, Daniel. It's got to go somewhere. <laughs> I'm no blue shirt, but I'm pretty sure... <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get graphic here for our listeners, but it's, you know, unless there's like a bunch of uh, rainbows coming out of somewhere in that quarter, there's... there's it's Is he a nine-yen cat? Yeah. So you're saying everybody on the Enterprise should have Tamagotchis? I'm just little canines. Or canine. Okay, all right. All right. That's right. Good I'm enough for the doctor. I mean, that's all I'm saying. But um, well, I do remember. I think Patch. I think it was Patrick Stewart who actually didn't like. Like it said, he didn't actually like Livingston. Like he didn't like the concept of well, oh, so Picard keeps an animal imprisoned in his ready room. What, like, what, what, just that concept. What do you mean? Don't don't you guys know Livingston's an android? Uh, oh, he's an android. He's a Doctor Soon creation. He's a he's a B one. Let's just say, um, especially recently on the network, rumors of Livingston's death have been greatly exaggerated. Let's, that's all I'm going to say. Um, oh, that's that, that and famous let's also quote say that everybody is, knows from First Contact. Reports of my assimilation. Have been oh, famous. right. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, we all know that uh, he was no one's pet. What's what's your next one? <laughs> Um, so this is kind of strange. Uh, I think, okay, well, I have a big problem. Okay. Wow. Okay. I'm going to start. Yes, <clears throat> we know, we know, Daniel, but, <laughs> but what's your next one? <laughs> and um, your name is Kira. I have a love hate relationship with this. What I'm going to say, uh, like the, the interface system between the people and the computer systems makes no sense to me. Alcar's system. I think it was a brilliant design for the time, and like I'm, it makes sense, like for what they're doing. Uh, it, but it like makes zero sense logistically. It doesn't like. Okay, so I have a pen. Let's not label everything. It's just all going to have numbers yes. that we somehow know yes. what. Well, so much for is. having the Akutas on. Thanks, Daniel. I, and that's the thing. <laughs> like that's why I don't want to be too harsh on it because like it's a different world in the 1980s. Like. They created a really visually distinctive, intelligent way of, hey, this is the 80s. We don't know what's going to happen. But like, and I know this is totally in, in hindsight, but it's like, wait a minute. You have a, a six by six panel and I don't know, 70% of it is covered by one button. Like that doesn't make any sense. And like, it's, it's, have you looked at no the standard guard. webs? What if you have to put your hands down and you accidentally hit the fire torpedo button? <laughs> well, because like if you look at the 21st century, that area would be ads now. So that's <laughs> oh, pretty much it's the same thing, really. That man is playing Galaga. <laughs> <laughs> no one 
thought we would notice. Oh, Darren wins but, wins this episode. I love that. Love that reference. But but you're but you're right, Daniel. And I, I know like the concept was that you know the reconfigurable workspace, much like you know today's smartphones, is you know okay. Rather than have these physical buttons, they can be whatever they need to be. I mean, if you need to have you know, let's say the ops panel gets destroyed. Well, you could make the navigation panel be ops for a moment if it needed to be, you know. And I mean, Worf even chews out, uh, you know, a couple of people. He's like, this pedal is not configured optimally to, you know, shoot stuff, fix it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I know it's, it's, I think that's one of the best examples, though, of just a TV show. Like, it can't... It, the time and the budget and the and the energy needed to actually make them be correct, and then the actors have to hit the right button, you know, on screen. And, and it wasn't it Will Wheaton, I think, like he was the only one, or or I remember specifically him uh, stating that he like had a system to make it look like he was actually doing things, and like he yeah, he, he I know he did he yeah. wanted it to make it look like he wasn't just randomly pressing buttons, but he was actually accomplishing something. So. Life forms. <laughs> now you, you you have to admit, like on the bridge, when when you have the captain or the first officer, you know, with his leg on your face, you know, and and you're there on the bridge, <laughs> and you have to look busy, but you know what? There's nothing going on. We're we're at warp eight. We're not there yet, but you have Counselor to look Troy's busy. Just sitting there chewing gum. Yeah, like you, you have to just like press a button. You're just like pulling up like the library computer and like. Let me learn about 20th century rock and roll. I don't know. You know what? What are they doing the whole time? But yeah, you're. Uh, I mean, they're not all the captain. They can't all go to their ready room. You know? <laughs> Where he plays solitaire. But that's the thing. Like, and and I know it's logistically not possible. And I don't like fault the show at all for this because clearly you know, it's an 80s show. It's an early 90s show. He couldn't do it. But like, if 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 a TNG era show was made now. They could, they could like, oh, the, I'm going to drag this giant button off the screen, and I'm gonna, if I'm looking up the, you know, the 20th century technology, I would get this giant uh, video of all of this other stuff, and like, it, it's very static, and uh, you know, in in the 24th century, and I don't blame them for it, but look, you know, looking at it in hindsight, it just it does irk me a little bit. Now, it, it, it slightly pains me to say, um, which I know you know our listeners will think I shouldn't be pained at all, but the, the, the design that we're talking about that would be really good is out there in Star Trek, and it was made by J.J. J. Abrams. If you look at the design on board, those Enterprises, or that Enterprise, the one Enterprise. That's true. That Enterprise, it is, it's very, know, like those view screens shows all the data right there. Smart glass smart and, glass. and yeah. lo- overlays. One of the... Yeah, what, no, that he... He did get that right. Yeah, of course. Well, it's a it's a beautiful enterprise. We're talking about the inside, Daniel. The inside, inside, inside <laughs> the bridge. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. I thought we were talking about the nacelles. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, last round. So make this a good one. Uh, I'm gonna go with fuses. Um, boy, <laughs> man, every time something blows up, <laughs> I just keep thinking, like, you know, did the circuit breaker get, you know, uninvented in the last two hundred years? <laughs> um, now, I, I actually, though, I did hear something uh, that, that actually has prompted this whole episode. Uh, I was listening to um, the the Delta Quadrant podcast, and they were covering an episode where the Delta Flyer had been damaged, and they were trying to get it fixed. And they, 
a panel like blew out or, 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 or overloaded and they said, oh, like the magnetic interlocks failed. And he had a really good explanation. He's like, well, in the future, fuses, you know, a fuse is like something that pops, but it breaks. Like then you have to find another one. You'd have to like stock a whole cargo bay of fuses. But a magnetic interlock in his cannon was like a fuse. It could trip, but you could reset it, you know, more more easily but I, I don't know. Fuses, circuit breakers, I, it just, overall, it's like, I get production-wise, like, you want to show something's taking damage. Like, they've shot the torpedo launcher, so Worf's console has to explode in his face, you know, but... And what about the, uh, as, as as Admiral Chris has talked about in the ready room, what about the rocks they keep in the ceiling? Oh, down? boy. That, we had a big discussion. The first, <laughs> the first ready room I was ever on was yesterday's Enterprise. And we it's like they shoved gravel everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You literally see rocks fall from the ceiling and kill uh, Rachel Garrett. Like, that's what happens. Like, they just drop there. And it's like, what the heck is going on? Uh, or, yeah, or, or like when the, you know, a con, a, a, if the front con console explodes, it's like, oh, look, all these black shards of glass are now flying into your face, you know. Uh, anyway, I mean, Generations just, is basically, this is the textbook of everything going haywire, as far as explodey haywire. Yeah. explodey well, wody. Well, and, and fuses, like, it also goes hand-in-hand, hand, though, with manual, you know, go-to-manual release, or manual Ugh. mode. It's like, where is there physically, like, let's just... So maybe some control linkages, I don't know, something that goes to a handle that's behind some panel that when you pull it, the door freaking opens. All know, the because... smack y'all want to talk, you know what the best example of that is? Manual helm control, Star Trek Insurrection. Yeah, we don't count that. That is manual. That's that manual. Is the... He is holding a stick. Which is the dumbest moment in That's any... manual. <laughs> no, 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 no. That is the dumbest moment in any Star Trek film, including all of Star Trek V. I'm sorry, it just it doesn't make any oh, sense. Daniel would, Joystick I, I'm 50-50-50 on this. I, I think it is cool, but flying a three-dimensional ship in space, you're going to need a couple more controls for things, you know, like the Z-axis. No, the, the problem with it is I had the same joystick that they put on the Enterprise, like playing X-Wing versus TIE Fighter in the 90s. Like, no, you don't get to control this ginormous ship with this ridiculous... There's a retro designer at Utopia <laughs> Planitia who appreciates the you know, classics. I mean, before Tom Paris was shoving, you know, retro junk on the wall of the Delta Flyer, <laughs> let's not forget that Riker put a pedestal with a 1980s oh joystick God. in it. Oh, God, that is just awful. I've I've uh, literally okay, until this we, moment I've never connected encounter at Farpoint with Insurrection though and like just until right now like at least that makes sense Riker is the one to do it manually I'm a, I I get that <laughs> and I'm glad it was Riker Daniel please tell me you're not going to make that a bumper sticker No I'm not believe me no I won't do that <laughs> All right Philip what's your what's your final oh, final choice No I'm kidding um mine's going to be kind of a I really hate to do it because it's one of those things like I I don't want I want to preserve this thing that we have here, but I have to admit it's hard to believe it'll last for another 300 years books. I love my books on my shelf. I prefer them. I have a, a nook, which I mean, I do enjoy having the nook because I have like a 
bunch of bunch of bunch of stuff on there. But if I can have that paperback or that hardback, I would I want it 100%. But it is hard to believe that in 300 years, you know, you're going to have that many books around. It's all going to be whatever, you know, electronic. I mean, like Picard, I mean, I, you know, I love me my, my, my Picard, and, you know, he still has some of his books, you know, I, or if you listen to Literary Tricks, you can hear that clip at the beginning and end of every episode of Literary Tricks, you know, with, with Picard on Captain's Holiday bringing his books, but I mean, I have to admit, I just don't see them lasting 300 years, both literally and figuratively. I mean, I don't think they'll literally last 300 years, they'll be falling apart, but, but literally I don't think, see them keep publishing bound books. Well, I have... I have two thoughts on that. One is, I yeah, I totally agree. Like, I mean, have you ever tried to move with books? Yes. I mean, just I have a storage and full of like four boxes. Sheer weight. You're just like, oh my gosh, it's just bricks. It's just bricks of words. There's so much <laughs> bricks of words. Is that what like aliens will call books? That's the Why official. Why this brick of word? On wall? No, no, they're talking about our books. That's what you. Oh, bricks. Well, that's the official title. <laughs> bricks of words on wall but the other thing is but you're forgetting though about replicator technology mm-hmm. i mean you could have a small storage data crystal and just put your whole library in the replicator and it just digitizes not just the story but the physical object and so when you want it because you're totally right like imagine if every crew member on the enterprise wanted to bring a hundred books with them oh my gosh you would just need deck after deck of library you know and and the l cars would get jealous because the l and l car stands for library so this isn't the tardis we don't have a five 16 story library Uh, yeah like i like i'm sorry to philip and to a lot of people who think this way but I agree there would not be books. Like, um, and I don't know if this was a Trek FM person who tweeted this, but I literally just recently saw it, and I can't remember who it was, but who tweeted this, and it was like, it was a quote from somebody, a teacher in the 1800s who had said... He, Wait, a, a teacher from the 1800s tweeted? No, 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 no. It was a quote from... A, can't believe uh, everything you say. It was a quote the from a teacher. Yeah, I think yeah, it was sorry, in the 1800s. Okay. Anyways, and they said, um, these students now, they're too used to paper. Like, they don't know how to write on Slate. What, what's going to happen when they run out of paper? And, like, it's this... It's this. Uh, I saw that tweet, yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't know who it was. but So, you know, props to whoever tweeted that out. But anyways, it was interesting. And it, it links up to where we are now. It's like, yeah, we... I even me, to a, to a small degree, like, has this kind of connection with physical books. But you're absolutely right. They would not exist in the future. Like, there's well, like no... It, especially 250 years in the future, there's no conceivable way. Well, just think distribution. Like, you write a book and you're like, I want everyone in the quadrant to read this, so I better ship them on a transport to where you are. Because we would have already cut down all, all the trees. No, there's still a couple on the Valley Forge. Don't worry, oh, we'll go find them. Is the Lorax still there? Okay. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would just to point this out, just to like, I mean, you know, to, to, not to be political, but like, I live in the state of North Carolina, and the uh, our state legislature passed a bill. I mean, it wasn't the only thing in the bill, but one of the things in there was to require to require the teaching of cursive writing in our schools. Oh, and so, you, like, you, did you know I use that all the time? Right. So, I mean, I'm just pointing that out. You know, so that's that's something. You know, so we'll, we'll see. Because I use it to write a check. Oh, that's right. I don't write <laughs> oh, checks anymore. Wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, see, that's just fear of change and fear of it is. you know. I'm not saying progress or no progress. I'm just saying change. Like, like I mean, I've seen it posted. You know, 
to go on a small school tangent, but it's like, I I learned, boy, I'm really glad I learned cursive writing, but I wish I had learned like how to cook a meal you know, for myself, great. do my own budget, you know, uh, know how to pay off loans and, <laughs> you know, and do a actual research in a library, like things like that, things you would actually use in life. But anyway, out of podcasts, podcast. man, I had to learn that in the main How streets. to podcast. Uh, all right, Daniel, what's your, what's your last one? I'm going to say flat screens would not exist in the 24th century. I don't think like we have, um, another thing that I think, uh, the JJ verse does really well and only a little bit better than normal. I think it could do much better, but like we see like a dimensionality to the view screen. Um, but even like the right. touch panels and stuff like that, like, we have, you know, it's a, it's a, it's this concept that we have that you have to physically touch something, and I, I don't think that will exist. I think there will be. It will Are you just, saying we should have the connect on the enterprise? I think that's what it will be. Like, frankly, I, I do. I don't think we're far off from that now. Like, you know, who? I mean, who knows? In, in two hundred years, we might be. We're just plugging in our brains or whatever. But like, to think that we're actually physically touching touch screens still. Or the fact that data has to physically uh, touch the Let's touch not screen. even let's, yeah. We've already <laughs> now, gone on that. <laughs> Darren, because I don't think Daniel is. Darren, are you familiar with Babylon 5, the Shadow Wars? Was that it? Or the one where it was like the, the very bad TV movie, like the last one they did, where like... Yeah, they had like two movies to wrap well, up. Well, they had like the guy yeah, who was or, like in the ship as the weapon systems, and like in order to like fire torpedoes, he would just like throw his arms out. Anyway, well, I'm thinking more of in in Star Trek. You have the USS Relativity, where they have the screens, but they don't touch them. They just kind of like wave their hand over it, like they're playing a, a you know a thermion. <laughs> well, it's been real interesting talking about the missing technology on TNG today. But this is just one of the many topics that we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek FM, Standard Orbit, Romulans on TOS. To be fair, maybe their visual communications were on a different codec. Maybe the the original Earth ships were using Skype, and mm-hmm. the Romulans were using Google+. Earl Grey. Generations with Standard Orbit. And again, I don't know if Mike and Drew would say that Kirk is at his best or not. No, he's not. But Chekhov, Chekhov is on point. <laughs> <laughs> the Ready Room. Affliction and Divergence. Yeah, the other interesting thing about that, though, is to compare the Klingon ethics with the Section 31 ethics, right? Because mm-hmm. there are, like you said, there are some groups within the Klingons who maybe don't feel exactly the same way. But then yeah. there's this group within the humans who feels completely different. And you kind of wonder what the Klingons think maybe about someone who wouldn't do this. The orb. Implications of genetic enhancement. There's just a danger that you're going to become like the lower rung of mm-hmm. society and only the people whose parents have the money to enhance them are going to be those who have good lives to the journey voyager season two marathon so he starts searching frantically for clues as to what happens when this small rock gets thrown at him so he kind of ducks pulls out his phaser gets ready and another stone comes flying through and guess who's throwing it it's got to be the monkey. Of course it is. Thank you. Commentary, Trek Stars. The 4400. 
you're describing a scenario in which we watch something and laugh hysterically <laughs> that people all around us, everyone we know, will watch us react to this in this way, and they would say, what is wrong with you two? Warp 5. Xenophobia and the Coalition of Planets. Justification in his mind is that the Vulcans were observing us. Mm. They knew the war was happening. Mm. They didn't do anything to stop it. But, you know, it really wasn't the place of the Vulcans to step in and stop World mm. War Three. Literary treks. James Swallow, the Poison Chalice. Everybody in this story is dragged into a situation they don't want want to be in, and that's kind of where the the title, the Poison Chalice, originally came from. Is the idea that you know Riker is given this promotion, which uh, on paper sounds like a really great idea, but it's a poison chalice. You know, it, it turns out that. It's not what he thought it was, and in fact, you know, he's being dragged into something that he doesn't want to be involved in. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Zoom, Xbox, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for the podcast directory to get all the links. And we received a wonderful feedback from our friend Dante Hopkins uh, through the Trek FM website. And he just wanted to let us know that he enjoyed our TNG special. Uh, he really enjoys season five. Also had uh, an affinity for masks, which, you know. Not I, everyone's I, I perfect. Feel it. <laughs> but he had a good point. Uh, I really liked how he was explaining different episodes, you know, like evolution and masks. And, and while... Not everyone loves those episodes, but depending on, you know, your background or what you're interested in, if if you're really into biochem or you're really into, you know, making things out of clay, those episodes could really be just interesting for you. So I liked his take on it. And uh, he also had a great discussion about uh, emergence and he felt it wrapped up TNG kind of how as I quote, the multicolor thingy leaving the Starship Enterprise represented the seven-year TV journey being passed to us and posterity. I'm like, oh, that's a oh, nice very point. Good. You know, oh, that's, it brought a tear to me. I... <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> so thank you, Dante, for your feedback. If you'd like to share your thoughts on today's episode of Royal Grey, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, you can choose the form that says send a show and choose Earl Grey. That will come to all three of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. We'd love for you to be the first voicemail of 2014. And you can talk to us and our listeners on our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you can find us on Facebook as facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under the username trek.fm. Also, for your New Year's resolution, why not leave us an iTunes review? It would help all our listeners find the show and help ensure Earl Grey a prosperous 2014. So, Daniel, if people want to talk to you about, you know, f- either flight recorders or medical technology, you know, within 140 characters, where could they find you? Um, Twitter would be the best place. Um, I am at one up Dan. That is the number one, not the word. And Philip, if uh, people really feel that books will, books will, Philip, make it into the 24th century where will they find you they can find me at book nerd oh no wait that's my other one they can find <laughs> me at nc public servant on twitter uh, it's nc like north carolina public servant and then we'll tweet all about doctor who and star trek and all the wonderful things going on and nc doesn't stand for national uniform society you know you gotta 
got to keep learning your cuneiform. Can't let that die. Exactly. And, and I think I'm, it's going to start for my new company that's going to make um, hydro spray machine guns. And if people are, are wanting to chat with me, they can find me on Twitter at Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. They can also find my other podcast, The Dr. Sci-Fi Show, which has relaunched in 2014, back and better than ever. This month we'll be discussing sci-fi novels. Well, before we go, we'd like to ask each of you to please support our sponsor, who make it possible for us to bring Earl Grey to you and other shows each week. Audible.com is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming each week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. There are many next-generation books available, including The Devil's Heart, read by Gase McFadden, and Q and Law, read together by both John DeLancey and Majel Barrett. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook with your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books that you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. Also, help us continue to bring Earl Grey to you each week by getting your alien badges and art prints featuring original illustration by Toba Ushi. You'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. Well, Philip, it looks like you've uh, finally finished that triplet. Oh, I, I, I could have just used the other one at the other end of the bridge, couldn't I have? Oh, I, I, I forgot that. Or, or, or the battle bridge emergency triple lift. I, for, I forgot about that one too. I, man, I've just been cooped up in my ready room for the last five hours. I. I really need to get a map of this place. So I, I think I'm going to finally retire to my quarters and uh, just dream about more technology that we don't have here in the 24th century. So live long and prosper. Engage. What? Uh, I'm the engage guy. You can't do that. <laughs> Wait a minute. I remember. It's 2014. Anything's possible. <laughs> Make it so. Engage. Fire. Fire.